Hey Angels, it's Amy from the Freud's Angels podcast. And Vanessa. We're here to bring you a special series about my journey and rewriting my narrative around my body and redefining my relationship with it. And along the way, as Amy is on this journey, we will bring to you gifts that come out of it, ways that you can handle your own body journey, things that you can think about in order to reclaim your own narrative. Now let's get to it. Hi, angels. Welcome back. I'm hoping above all else, before we get started, I'm hoping that what we've shared so far, what we're going to continue to share, especially yesterday, last week, that you have gained insight. You have maybe had your own epiphanies. You've decided to take on your own body journey in your own way, whatever that may be. I just hope that we've inspired and even given you that space that you're not alone. (laughs) Yes. Because (laughs) what's the worst thing when you can feel when you are going through the shit is to feel like you're alone. And that's my deepest of hearts hopes that you feel you have community, you have a place and that you have friends who will help you through whatever shows up for you. So I just wanted to get that off because it just felt like I had to, Um, but it's deep and it's dark and it's raw. And a lot of people aren't prepared to even hear that in our lives. Right. So we don't say it, but it's happening here. And, and like you said, people hearing, okay, yeah, that's, that's in my deep, dark shadow closet. (laughs) Right. Like, and if it's in yours too, that makes me feel good. Even if I don't want to dance with it right now, knowing that you feel it too is good. Yeah. Well, and that, that, yeah that there's somebody who, when you come and say, oh my God, this is what I used to do to myself and punishment for who I am. And I'd be like, sister with you all the way, because we could sit here and compare. We're not going to, but we could have fun with that. (laughs) Right. Right. Like that plane that we are on. Yes. (laughs) Just yes. Is the only word we have to say. (laughs) I won't lie. I I don't even know what episode we're on. I don't really care anymore, but, um, At this point, this no, is- it feels like seven, maybe six or seven, somewhere yeah. around there. Somewhere around there. <laughs> um, but let's, you know, in reflection, like sharing what I shared last week really was, whew, it, it, it took me a day or so to kind of get out of that space of feeling like, I don't know, I, you know, feeling a little bit exposed it's not always easy, you know, sharing your deep personal journeys into the world, but I've committed to it because like I said, if one person can feel like they're not alone and that this holds them and this, they can hold on to this, then, you know, yeah, this is worth it. And, you know, one of the other things I wanted to remind you guys, you know, these first, I don't know, however many five, you know, especially the first three or four, This for me happened over the span of like a year. This is not a quick fix. This is a permanent fix. This is, this is leading you to total healing, not a quick, I'm going to lose 20 pounds and then I'm going to gain it because I'm, you know, whatever this is, this is the way to total healing. You know, this is the way to 
to come back to yourself and to bring yourself and your body back into alignment. Will there be things along the way forever that kind of show up and like, you kind of feel almost triggered, but you're like, wait a minute. Okay. I have all the tools now that I can, I can overcome that. I can, I can look at it. I can dissect it. I can see it neutrally. I can work through it by the time, you know, you're at a point in your body journey, the journey is ongoing, but there's a sense of being able to cope and not just be in trauma response around everything that has to do with your body. It's being able to step back and be neutral and say, oh, I see that. And I see my tendency wants to respond to this, but we're not going to because we're, it's not good for us. This is, this is my brain being in fear and needing to run away. And, and that will even get less too. That's even going to diminish that it's not going to be as hot. You know, it's not going to be as big of a button as it is now for things to hit up against it, so to speak. And I just want you to be patient with yourself. First and foremost, patience is key. It's not, we expect ourselves to be done tomorrow. We really want to be done because we want to avoid all the stuff that's going to show up. That's not going to feel good. Sure. And, you know, and one of those things was, you know, me, you know, having to be faced with myself, my physical being in a picture in a way that I could not deny, um, the, you know, what, what I looked at and, you know, I really, really, really want you to know is that it's not easy. It's not, it's, you know, you're going to respond in many different ways, but it's, it's part of the process. And why do I say that? Because what happened, and I'm going to continue on with the post confrontation of that is I opened up my heart to feeling compassion and empathy for that image, for that person in that image. And because I could see the pain, I could see the frustration, I could see the suffering that the image held of myself. And, you know, with like all things, the universe gets sneaky sometimes. Um, Shortly after that, like I had already, I'm on this, I'm on like kind of a dual mission, but it kind of intersects sometimes where I'm putting together a financial game plan to make some big moves, big choices, not physical moves, but I mean, business moves and, and things like that. And really kind of trying to be more mindful about spending money, about my finances, so on and so forth. So what happened was, is I, I don't know, the perfect storm happened in that I always complain, I have no snacks. So that's, was a cause for me to eat out a lot. And then I complained that I didn't have enough to drink in the house. I only had you know, milk and water. And that was it. And I would, so I would complain about that. And so, and so I bought all the snacks that I wanted. <laughs> I bought all the stuff to drink. Like I, I have more things to drink in my fridge right now than I think 7-Eleven does, but you know, because you know, you never know. Right. Right. And so, cause you never know. <laughs> yeah. So I, my, you know, I, I solved all the problems were the reasons that I felt that I needed to eat out all the time. Now this is, and it's a pretty big, you know, when you're, when you're in trauma response and you're, you're, you know, eating out is, is a definite trauma response for me. Um, 
so I, so last week I found that, you know, I thought, okay, even if I cut it in half last week, I only ordered out once all the rest of the meals I, I either made, um, or like there was leftovers from a, from a get together or something like I, none of it was bought. And in that process, I discovered that I felt good. I felt that like I was taking, being taken care of. Now, those of you who know me, know me from the beginning, knows that the emotional kind of reason for the autoimmune issues and stuff is, you know, harsh self-criticism as well as, you know, that feeling that nobody's supporting me. And so for a very long time, and my friend had reflected this in, in their own life, and I had realized that that was a common feeling of not being supported, not being taken care of. I wanted somebody to take care of me. Like, I just wanted somebody to have an interest in my well-being that I didn't feel anybody did for a very long time, especially my parents. Well, without having to tell them to. Like, I feel like yeah. there's there's that caveat that I think we all can understand that it's it's not that people don't care for us but when we feel like we have to ask for it it doesn't feel authentic right it feels like i because i told you that that's so it's very hard yeah, it's for a manipulation at some point oh well i guess i need to make you happy so yeah yeah mm-hmm. so <laughs> <laughs> trust me i i felt that one as soon as you said it i was like oh yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> So with that in mind, you know, as I'm cooking for myself, as I'm listening to when I'm actually hungry, rather than just forcing myself to eat the three meals a day, there was a sense of like, I felt like, oh, I'm taking care of myself or, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm like, there was a sense of nurturing that I felt. Yeah. Now had when I cooked before, did I feel a sense of nurturing? I probably felt a little, but not really because I was too resentful for the fact that I had to cook. Mm -hmm. But because of the perfect storm that's happening, that the universe is constructing for me, (laughs) you know, I had the photo and I was able to get in touch with a sense of compassion. I opened the door to that type of emotion and that type of feeling and that caring for myself towards my physical self. Because of that, I feel that's why I could feel that nurturing. That's why I could step into allowing that to feel nurturing Mm -hmm. and to feel like I was taking care of myself. And it was like, and, and I think that more than anything is what felt good. It was like the switch flipped mm-hmm. from being angry of not being taken care of and people not helping or you know wanting to help me to the fact that I was like, oh, I'm going to help myself. Yeah. I'm going to take care of me because that's the only thing I can do. Right. And 
And it's in that moment, the most authentic care that you'll ever receive. Yeah. Right? It doesn't matter. Like it doesn't, you can be the healthiest person on earth, which I mean, I don't know who the hell that is because everybody's got baggage, but you could be the healthiest person on earth, theoretically. And there's no love like the love you have for yourself. I mean, there's a reason why that, that statement floats around that you have to love yourself first. Yada, yada, like everything has to do with self-love and it's because there is no more authentic love than the love that you can have for yourself because you know, you, you know, other people don't know you. And we, we, again, the healthiest person still has a filter of some sort of like, okay, you love me. You may love me to the moon, but you know, you don't know every single thing about me every single second of the day. You can't meet my needs every second of the day. I can though, because I know me, you know, and there's something really to be said for that, for grasping that and really holding on to that idea that it's not a, like that other people are never going to be able to match that. If you find that you'll always have everything you need. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Well, and it's like, and I think it ties back in with the, the, the conversation, many conversations we've had about our icing on our love cake. You know, it's like we, you know, we, to have that expectation of someone else is also very, you know, is, is, it's not, it's like you're giving our, all of our power away to something that's never going to like work. It's like, you know, in, I get, I get why my child self wanted that so bad. I, I, I agree. And I, and I validate that pain that I had as a kid to wanting to be supportive, like, you know, wanting to my mom to, to help me with schoolwork, not that she could, but to take an interest in me and not be like, well, you were the kid I didn't have to worry about. Well, fuck, I wanted you to, right. I wanted you to be interested in what I was doing. I didn't want you to worry about me. I wanted you to like be interested, right. Be part of my life in some way other than just when you were angry or you needed me to clean your house. Like truly that's just how I felt. And it was, and, and I, you know, especially when I went to college and stuff, you know, like wanting just help and figuring out what call it, what to do. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what was, I was supposed to do. I'd never been college before. No one ever told me, you know, and my advisor certainly this fuck wasn't around. And it's like, you know, I still hold resentment for your advisor anyway. <laughs> so, you know, it was yeah. like, I just, and, and I emerged into the adult world, winging it by the seat of my pants, not really knowing what the fuck I was doing. Right. And I think we all at some point do that at some level. Yeah. But, I mean, well, especially the way that this society is, I mean, they really kick you out there. Like, I hope you know what you want to do with your life at 18. Cause you have yeah. to figure it out right now. <laughs> right. And to be able to manage money, manage time, manage your life, manage whatever else you need to do, because now all of a sudden you're a CEO of your own life. Bye. Without taught, without being taught. Yeah. <laughs> Let's like not forget that in school they didn't teach us about our taxes and they didn't teach us about it, about how to fill out a W four or two. I don't even know what it is anymore. <laughs> but <laughs> so anyway, so anyhow, but that, that nurturing, right? It's just you know, nurturing is not something I've ever, I think, felt before. But yes. then again, I think part of it was is. I wasn't allowing myself to feel it. There was, there's that part of it because it was, 
it, it, you know, it was threatening. It was so fleeting that I didn't want to get used to it. I didn't want to like it. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, if I reject it, don't spend time in this place that I don't feel sad or depressed on the other end of this, because this is not secure. Absolutely. 100%. Again, because we get those messages early on. And, you know, again, like that, you know, Freud with all his craziness, he knows that those early, he knew that those early experiences meant everything. And, And there's so much out there in our psyche that has to do with if my parents didn't, then who could? And, and that goes across the board in very many, like a lot of different ways, but that underlying of love is a basic concept that I hear a lot. Like if my parents who brought me into this world didn't value me this way, how could I trust that anybody else could that didn't bring me into the world? You know what I mean? Like those are the people that are supposed to love me unconditionally, that are supposed to support me, that are supposed to, they brought me here. I must not have been worthy in their eyes for whatever reason, you know, like we're, we don't even really explore the idea that they're faulty in that because, you know, little kid brains can't do that. They just make their message and and move on. But yeah, like then you go on, sometimes you don't recognize what love and nurturing even feels like, or looks like it feels like a sham or it feels like a manipulation and you reject it. Or like you said, you know, you, you think, oh man, I could get addicted to this because it's so good. And I haven't ever had it that I'd rather not ever have it because I can live my life that way. have lived my life that way than to live in lack. Not only can I not trust them, but I can't trust me. Mm -hmm. I can't trust myself to give it to myself, (laughs) you know? Right. Again. And on top of that, right. Like add that layer. My parents didn't do it. I won't even do it for myself. Right. So. Hmm. So when we talk about the idea of, you know, and, and as I'm like processing, because this is all real time processing, friends. Yeah. Because this Guys, is we what, did not. This is, this <laughs> this is, is what I'm in. Sculpted in any way. It's just like, coming out. This, this is what <laughs> I'm in. And this is what, you know, but, you know, for me, I, I guess the thing that I, you know, I wonder, and I don't wonder, but the thing that I realize is that building trust, like the nurturing part is that part of building trust. It's that trust, like, for example, yesterday I woke up, I was not feeling well. I was quite nauseous. I was not well. I didn't want food. My MO with food is like, get up, make your breakfast, go sit in front of your computer and get to work. That's what I do. But yesterday morning, I woke up nauseous and I'm like, I'm not ready for food to be in my stomach. However, you know, I have, you know, some suja green juice, you know, and I thought that's at least healthy. That's at least something to put in my stomach to waken up my body. It's fluids. I've not drank all night. It's, I need something to start my day, but yet food is not the answer. So I drank a green juice and I was like, okay. I'm like, this is interesting. And then I reflected (laughs) last week, trying to see some of the points that why it made, why I made it so successful. And I am a very big person about routines. I routines is the only way I feel I have control in my life. 
And, but what I didn't realize is <laughs> my routines had become rigid mm. and not flexible. Mm. So that's like when the routines go south, like routines are great because it's structure. It helps us know what to expect day to day. It helps us with our trauma response to know this, this, and this. It's, it's a really great tool. However, they can get toxic yeah. and there's a, there's a, there's a podcast for us <laughs> when structure becomes po- toxic, you know? writing it down. Cause it's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> so what ha- would happen is, is I would get too rigid with what I ate. I expected, and I did for quite a few months I expected, sorry, friends, myself, I expected me to eat the same thing for breakfast or the same thing for lunch and like whatever for supper, like, because it, I felt it was easy because I felt it was quick because I felt like it was like, you know, I, I know what, how much it's going to cost. I know how much my, what to get on my groceries. It took decision paralysis out of the, out of the equation I got so rigid that I became uninspired and really didn't want to eat what I was having, which I think is part of the reason that I went full on order out because I was like, I don't want that. Yeah. I don't want it. And the thing about eating out is choice. Yeah. Truly. You know, like, I think that that's the draw for every single person. You don't have to have like literally any kind of issue of any kind other than I like variety, which I think is every one of us, that's what happens, right? Like we love the idea that on a whim, we can be like, this is what I want. And it shows up. And and the idea that like, uh, like even when we talk about meal prep, I know a lot of people that are like, I don't like to meal prep. You know why? Because on Sunday, I don't know what I want on Wednesday. And when I say people, I mean me. (laughs) <laughs> I can't meal prep because I don't know what I'm going to want. I need I used like to be so like driven and I used to do it all the time because it was, you know, that's what yeah. you did. <laughs> well, yeah, because like you said, like routine does help, especially if you're trying to make new habits, you know, routine will help you, you know, kind of have accountability, but that rigidity, right? Like once it becomes a rigid pattern versus <laughs> like a training program of some sort, that's when we we step into trouble. And that knee jerk reaction of, well, I can get whatever I want. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, <laughs> you know, and, and again, rigid, my body not wanting what I'm feeding it. It's again, it's like a punishment because I'm like, because I can't deal with my you know, it's like, okay. And again, it was, it was just, it felt like a punishment to me. And so last week, like I made that same meal a couple of times, but sometimes I wanted like scrambled eggs and a bagel with cream cheese. And so I made it. And so I had it. Sometimes I wanted waffles with dippy eggs on top and I made that. And I ate it and it didn't take any more time or any less time to create that than it did to create the other thing that I've been making myself eat this whole time. And I think because I allowed myself to make the choice in the moment 
Yeah. Meaning I woke up feeling like I wanted X, Y, and Z. So guess what I did? I ate X, Y, and Z. Rather than going through the saying, sorry, that's not what's on the agenda today. We only can eat an English muffin with an egg on it. That, that's it. Like you can't. And I'm uh-huh. like, oh. I'm like. Which is an act of what? It's an act of love. Because you would do that for your child if they woke up and said, mom, can I have pancakes today? You'd go, you can absolutely have pancakes today. I will make you pancakes today. Yeah. <laughs> right. It is an act of love to do that. And to be able to do that for yourself is to love yourself is to allow yourself choice is to be able to get in touch with that person. Like, what do you want? I got you right. Like that's what you want. That's what you get. Cause I love you. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and I want to tie, I want to bring this back too. Okay. Uh, to our conversation, the guys go back and listen to the birth of a kitchen, witch. that episode mm-hmm. fucking amazing. The epiphanies just showed up. Right. And the one epiphany that stuck with me after that conversation was that my conviction that I didn't have time to cook, (laughs) like that I had taken that from my mom and carried that mantra forward. And I kind of like, was like, I don't need that shit anymore. And I kind of like threw it away and was like, and now all of a sudden I'm open because I think because I was convinced I couldn't cook. I didn't have time for it. And I knew that this meal took me seven minutes to make before work, because, you know, I'm waking up exactly seven minutes before I have to be at work. You betcha. (laughs) (laughs) To the minute. (laughs) So, so like, you know, and, and, but then when I realized that it's okay, take the time you need, have the time you need then, you know, it was like, it was a game changer because then I just did it. I just cooked what I wanted. And all of a sudden (laughs) I began to feel like my body had a choice. Yes. And then my body reacted in kind in a sense of just giving me that response to the dopamine, like feeling nurtured. So it was like, all of a sudden it was like, I was happy because I got to eat you know, a bagel with cream cheese. Cause I've been craving that like forever. And like, I finally give that to myself and I'm like, Oh, okay. Like oh, this is intentional eating. Like this is the, this is the stuff. So it creates that, that gratitude, that feeling, that reverence for like, look at this meal that I made, look at this beautiful food that, that came here that, that we don't do very often you know, in this society, but when we have that opportunity every single day to be like, this is what I want. And I got to have it. And I'm going to freaking enjoy it. Yeah. Because look at this. And my mornings were that much nicer and it was easier. And Mm -hmm. for me to go into lunch and be like, what's for lunch today, girl. And, you know, sometimes I didn't really want lunch. So I had a snack because Mm -hmm. I knew I was going to go eat out because of my friend and I, we have a date a standing date on Mondays. So Mm -hmm. like, it was like, oh, well, you're going to eat like two hours from now. So can we snack and like kind of hang on? And it was like, yeah, we can do that. So I ate far less than I usually do because I wasn't searching for something that was going to satisfy that craving that I never allowed it to have. So 
this is why restrictive eating doesn't work. Yes. Because your body is going to continually seek that dopamine response it's looking for in food. If you were to just give it what it wanted to begin with, it would be like, thank you. I love you. Thank you. And it's not to say that that means you go and you eat a pound of chocolate or like a gallon of ice cream, because after the first three bites, you're going to be satisfied because it's going to be like, ah, thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you can get creative. You can put chocolate shavings on top of your freaking waffle in the morning and feel like glorious, right? Like you feel like you're being really bad, like rebellious, and you're really feeding that need and getting a super, and you really haven't done anything that bad. (laughs) But it's that, like you said, that that dopamine, that nurturing, right? Like when we think of that, I think we, we lose that when we're so ingrained in that negative feeling about food and that negative feeling about choices that we make when it comes to food and just that lack of trust altogether that, you know, that blanket statement of, well, I suck at this. Like I don't eat well, I don't nurture my body. I don't eat the right foods, blah, blah, blah. Like all negative, 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 instead of being like, okay, well, I just haven't really been listening to my body. I haven't been reasonable. I've really been trying to follow something that doesn't work for me. What is my body saying today? And yeah, sometimes your body says something you you can't give it, right? I want to have a chocolate pie for breakfast. Well, okay. Maybe not a chocolate pie for breakfast. But here's the chocolate almond milk that you have. Would that satisfy your craving for now until we can get a chocolate pie? Right. And I'm going to say this, (laughs) it is not to encourage anybody to do ridiculous things. Like when I say ridiculous, I mean an entire chocolate pie. Don't yeah. Like don't eat an entire chocolate pie for breakfast. However, I have always said this. I say it to my daughter. I don't know who decided what foods go at what meal. I don't get it. It doesn't make sense to me. So we have backwards days someday. Some days she gets up in the morning and we have dessert for breakfast. And then we have breakfast for dinner you know, like we, we switch up the foods, we call it a backwards day and, th- and that's it. Because on that day, she just kind of is like, can I have like something really sweet for breakfast? You know? And it's like, okay, if, if we indulge that now, by the end of the day, when you've all day been thinking about the sweet thing that I won't let you have, you're probably not going to overdo it. You know, if we give that little thing in the morning and allow it to be a little thing in the morning, we're probably going to be okay. So I say that too. Like, that's why I said like the chocolate shavings on top of whatever, like if you wake up feeling like I need some sweetness, figure out what you can do. That's small. That allows you that, that experience because it's all made up. My famous statement, everybody made it up. Whoever made up breakfast food is breakfast food. It's likely because you got up in the morning and you checked what the chickens had done and <laughs> had eggs and, you know, like it was likely farmers, but we don't have to follow that anymore, man. We have grocery stores and we have refrigerators. So yeah, you know, well, and it's it's, okay. I think too, is that we have to, that's part of the process is picking apart our relationship with different types of foods. Yes. You know, yes. it was like that, that I know I've said, have I, I've shared this story on on this, I think I've shared the cake story on this platform, but when a long time ago, I was my, I was working with um, a person who was trying to coach me through, um, you know, 
whatever. And so there was a birthday party, there was cake. And yeah, at the time I was trying to lose weight and I'll admit it because it was totally doing, doing it the wrong way too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my coach kind of was like, really, uh, like you, you cake, cake, you're eating cake again. What, you know, like they made a big deal about the cake. So my dad at the time who was egging this coach, you know, he's the one that facilitated the coach and I'm not giving any names out, um, on at the moment was just like, and I said to my dad, I said, you need to tell him to fucking stop with the cake issue. The issue is not the fucking cake. Okay. The issue may be why I want to eat the fucking cake. Right. Not the cake itself. The cake has nothing wrong with it. If right. I want all these other people here eating the damn cake and they don't have the same issue as me. Right. Why is it that I'm the, I'm the issue with having cake because I'm fat, because I'm overweight, but everybody else can have cake because they're skinny. And I'm like, maybe it's not the fucking cake. Yeah. And I got real pissed off. And I told my father that and apparently <laughs> that person, he, he made mention of this to the other person because the other person did not talk about cake after that. And I said, <laughs> so, so every time like something that became ridiculous, meaning that you're using a judgment or you're using, you're creating an issue about something that has no issue around it. Mm-hmm. And so every time that would happen, I would go cake and my father would yell at me cake. Sounds like this is the name of this podcast, by the way. It's not the fucking cake. Because <laughs> so, I love it. So I, I encourage you to really pay attention to what relationships we have with food and our structures and our structures around food. Now, don't get me wrong, friends. The structure that I had in place I'm not mad at myself for putting that there because it wasn't a punishment. It was my way of controlling something that I felt out of control because I've emotionally not been okay. And so it was my way of trying to do something in my life that I feel I had the monicum of control over, which ended up going too far. And that's just because I'm learning me. I'm learning when to change and when to you know, deal with my, my own structures and, and how to create the structures, but flexibility within structures, you know, yes, you're going to eat. We, we need to do something in the morning to awaken our bodies. Okay. So I bought green juice in case I didn't want to eat. I, you know, I have like this morning, like I didn't even want eggs. I just wanted a bagel with cream cheese. So guess mm-hmm. what I had a bagel with cream cheese. And I'm mm-hmm. like, thawed the protein. There's enough protein in the cream cheese. And I right. found a very a healthier version of cream cheese in a sense of it's lactose free. So it's not yeah. going to have this huge negative reaction to my body. Mm-hmm. So it's like, Oh my Jesus. It was like, <laughs> I, I, I taken all of the issues out of food. Mm-hmm. Like I'm beginning to extract all of the, you know, the, the thought processes, the, the convictions, the, the belief systems, the, the things that people created from foods and I've taken them out. One of the things that, you know, and, and you guys may think this is like kind of crazy and maybe a little bit left of center, but one of the things that, you know, my brain came up with reasons why I had to eat out was because I, uh, first of all, I'm an ice cream lover, always will be. 
it's never going to stop. Ice cream is one of my things. And so, and I don't usually have it in the house because I eat it. So I decided to get it in like cone form, like drumsticks. Like, you know, it's, it's an ice cream, but it's not a bowl, a trough, a, right. a mixing bowl full like of I ice cream. Take this entire gallon and yes. stop when I'm ready. <laughs> so I bought that for my wee brain to kind of be like, look, dude, here you go. You want ice cream? You can have one every day. And yeah. like, it's to the point where I'm like, man, I don't want ice cream every day now. It's like, you know, it's like, I have it. It's like, okay. But I've, I've given myself the freedom of choice. Mm -hmm. And this is so important. And this is why restrictive dieting doesn't work. This is why telling, you know, yourself, you cannot eat something. What's the first thing you're going to want? That thing you just said you can't have now. Because you're saying you can't have it because you already know you want it a lot. Yeah. Yeah, because like you're trying to trick yourself into not wanting it a lot when the, there's no possible way to do that. Well, and, and to be perfectly honest, really what it is, it's not the food itself, friends. It's the it's usually the quantity, and it's also because you've deemed it as bad. Right. You put it good, right? Like or reward good. Yeah. Right. Like reward food. I feel like we have the same thing for, I'm yeah. like, Oh my God. Like, eh. like, Oh, I got to get rid of that. Cause it's not, it's not good. So yeah. One of the biggest things, do I sometimes have moments of indiscretion and I eat three pieces of pizza of a huge pizza because it's so fucking good. You better believe it. And I'm still going to yeah. do it because I love it. I love it. But There are moments like last night going out to eat. I had three of my favorite dishes in front of me because, you know, it was a kind of a share type. It was like a a pick and share type of meal and family style. (laughs) I I had like, I don't know. I had like maybe five or six bites and I was full and I was okay with that. And I just stopped eating. I I didn't continue to eat to, to, you know, to eat all my good foods because it's all going to go away. No, I just was like, I'm full. I don't feel like eating anymore. And I was okay with that. Like I wasn't hungry. I didn't leave hungry. I felt very satiated, but I didn't leave feeling like I'm like, because I have moments where I'm going to listen to what I need and I'm going to listen to my body when it says that's enough. I think we've had enough of that. Well, and sure enough, and this is something, this is the next step for me is to re put back on one of my, I, for many of you know that I'm, I'm also diabetic. So part of the issue of me being fatigued is because my sugars are so high. Well, I noticed in the past week and a half that because I'm eating when I'm hungry, because I'm not forcing myself to eat certain meals and because I'm not forcing myself to eat the whole meal, my body is more inclined to tell me when it's done. And I don't have that food fatigue. I don't have that sugar fatigue. Now I did today, um, because I, I needed caffeine. So I had something that was caffeinated, um, and sugary and, and I felt it today when I was working. And so I was like, okay, you know what? All right. So I like got up, walked around, you know, used some of my blood sugar, did some things, put stuff away, kind of used some of it up. So it would kind of be able to cope with it. So I guarantee when I put my sensor back on, cause I have a real time sensor that 
I will probably notice that my blood sugars are back to being normal, not so many highs and lows, not so many spikes and dips, but to kind of just being that rolling hill, that slightly bumpy, slightly rolling hill up when you eat, but yet very gentle, very not so, oh my God, you, <laughs> yeah. I have all the blood sugar, and then I have no blood right. sugar, and then I have all of it, and then none, you know. Well, because think about it, like our body isn't hungry just because there's lack of food right? Because there's lack of food in the middle of the night. We don't wake up starving in the middle of the night, generally speaking, because our body knows that this is rest time. Our body knows how much, how much food we can handle, how much insulin we can make, how much we can digest. Like, I mean, our bodies are a machine that we are not supposed to mess with. (laughs) It really, truly is supposed to work on its own. And so when we mess with it by being like, I don't care what you can handle, you're going to have to start handling this because I am emotional or because I am whatever. Yeah, of course we get the fight back because the body's like, no, no, I'm not prepared for this. You know? And that's what I think of. Like when I wake up with a sugar hangover, my, I literally hear my body being like, we don't do this and I can't handle this. And so you didn't, you didn't listen. And now we're in like trauma mode, you know, like I literally have that conversation of like, yeah, I mean, because you're, our bodies know what it needs. Our bodies know how much of it it needs. We just don't listen because we're eating emotionally. We're eating, not just emotionally, we're eating logically, right? Like when you talk about that breakfast thing and being able, like there are a lot of people in this world that that do have that difficulty being like, but if I'm not hungry, I should eat, right? Because it's breakfast. Yeah. Because everybody says breakfast is the I, most important part of, part of the day, right? Do you know how many times I forced myself to eat breakfast because people told me that I don't eat breakfast since fourth grade. I didn't want to eat breakfast. And there's been times in my life where I've tried to force myself to, I don't like breakfast. When I wake up in the morning, my body's not ready to eat. I don't eat breakfast and it's fine. I don't overeat the whole rest of the day and totally, you know, throw off my whole life. I listen to my body. I eat when I'm hungry, but we have, you know, we've kind of gotten away from that of listening to the body. So, I mean, I love highlighting that, but I also, you know, like in hearing you talk about the, the struggle with deciding, you know, how to handle the way that you believe about food and that kind of stuff, all I can think about in my head. And I had it written down from earlier when you were talking about looking at images and that kind of stuff and and the feeling that compassion, all I can think about was we don't have that issue when we see somebody who's anorexic, right? We immediately feel compassion. We're like, oh my gosh, like you've got issues. Okay. It's issues with food, you know, like, hello. We don't have that problem when we see somebody who is struggling with addiction. We can find that compassion right away. Like, oh my God, look at that pain. That must be so horrible. We have that difficulty looking at an overweight person and seeing this pain. It's the same exact thing, but we haven't been programmed to see pain the same way that we've been programmed to see that. So we also have difficulty with the journey of be creating a better relationship with food for people who are overweight. We can't quite connect it to exactly the same journey that somebody who is anorexic is having. You have to create an entirely different relationship with food. You have to deal with your emotions around food. I really think like there's deep, deep programming within all of us 
that you have to combat in order to even get to neutral, yeah. right? Like yeah. to even get to neutral before you can Oof. get to compassion that we don't do with other things. We jump right to compassion. We don't have to get to neutral when we see somebody who's starving themselves. We're like, oh my God, they're going to die. Okay. So is somebody who's 600 pounds. Where's the compassion? Yep. Yep. It's the same thing on the opposite end of the spectrum. Yep. Yep. Because there has been this stigma because, you know, survival of the fittest Mm -hmm. and we, and I think it comes from like what I think not only I want to society is part of it. Advertising is part of it. But I think what the biggest influence is, is our families. Because at one time they were probably told, I know I was told that if you were overweight, it was because you were fat and lazy. Yeah. It's because you were, you just, because you overate and you were lazy and you didn't want to do anything about it. Like that, that picture uh, has been judged. I've been judged for that. So then therefore I project that judgment. So I think in a lot of ways, we've taken this judgment that we've been given and we project it. Yes, my darling. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we've been given this projection and it's because now we, especially with social media, it's become this thing where now we can put it out in the ethers and all the other trolls that have that same projection and has that same hatred towards people, like they too can now project it and it's become a big thing. So it was, it it got worse, I think, in the induction of social media, even though it was there to begin with, because I dealt with it since I was a kid in elementary school, since I was a first grader. So, you know, Miss Piggy, you know, I'll never forget that. And, And it's, you know, it's not to say that maybe that person wasn't having pain in their own home. Maybe they were suffering. Sure. Absolutely. Probably for some other reason, maybe not my reason, but I was an easy target because I was the kid that looked, and even then I didn't look overweight. So, you know, it's hard, I think, for people to have compassion. And that's why the whole creating your social media to have people that look like you, that is so important because that's, if you can't get past that, and seeing other people of your size without disgust, if you can't do that, you're going to have a hard time doing the rest of it. Right. Because, because you're what be you said was important. You looked at that picture for the first time and said, I can see your pain again, yeah. which if you saw somebody who put up a picture that was like skeletal thin, you'd say, I can see your pain yeah. immediately. You wouldn't have to get there. We don't have to get there. We're there. But that's the, that's the key to compassion. That's the key to wanting to nurture, right? Like when we see somebody who feels that way, we want to nurture them. We want to help them. It needs to be the same for ourselves when we look and see like, you got there because of pain. I see your pain. I don't see your laziness. I don't see your yada yada programming bullshit especially when it's yourself, right? Like being able to connect to that of like, okay, yeah, you've been through some shit and this is how, this is how your pain manifests on a physical level. And I'm going to dissect that. I'm going to look at it. I'm going to see it as that instead of seeing it as all of those other words that I've heard, 
then you can start to see other people that way. I really think it, you know, like it, it's that trickle, trickle down that helps it normalize, right? That we really need to, we need to do it collectively. Like, I mean, we all need to be doing this collectively. And I think, I think that's what the body positivity like moving is supposed to be doing, but it's not quite doing it. (laughs) Right. Like, it's kind of like, let's just accept. And it's like, but we're missing the whole part of let's acknowledge the pain that got a lot of people in this space. Not everyone, but a lot of people in this space. Yep. And, and just the idea of not only just the idea of anti-diet, anti-whatever, anti, we have to be, you know, we have to be we have to go to the masses and, and ask them, like, can you see someone of size with the idea of compassion and be open to their story, be open to how they got there? Because chances are most of us just didn't appear here. There's a story, you know, maybe somebody has lymphedema, maybe somebody has a chronic illness and they're unable to do exercise and they struggle with weight. Maybe somebody has a thyroid issue that they aren't solved. Like there was a, there was a, there was a video on Facebook about a child who went from being a very thin active boy to being a very overweight, sick boy. And it turned out that he had tumors in his brain because, and, and, and like really aggressive tumors that, that affected his body and his way of dealing with food and his way of dealing with everything. So all of a sudden he gained massive amounts of weight and it was just, and it was like, oh my gosh, I bet you had he gone to school, kids would have made fun of him without asking what his story was, not realizing he was a very sick boy. Right. We don't want to, we want to judge because that's how we're taught to view with the world is with judgment first. And that's something that, you know, is like, if I could get on a campaign somewhere that, you know, stop the judgment, you know, And it's that way across the board. You know, you have someone who has a a weight issue at a chronic chronic illness, like an invisible illness on top of it, like say RA or fibromyalgia, and you completely have given them a double whammy of how, first of all, they can't really move and exercise. And, And then, you know, and how do you, so it's like, you don't know what they're going through. Those invisible illnesses, we don't know. Yeah. You know, I didn't get here because I was healthy. I didn't get here because I had a good frame of mind. I didn't get here because I loved ice cream so much that that's all I ate. I didn't get here because I disregard and just like, I don't care what happens to my body. Exactly. Like I I didn't, you know, I, I didn't just choose this. Yeah. Um, and I actually like what just wrote down. Cause I was like, Oh my God, like <laughs> what at like hashtag campaign that would be of like, just tell the story. Right. Like, uh, you know, just, it, and I understand that it's not that it's never happened before, but it hasn't been a movement that way. Like, and I think I'm hoping that it evolves that way, you know, where people can feel like, Hey man, I, I felt like I was healthy and I was happy and I was whatever. And then I was abused and then my weight started so that people can actually get used to hearing it because that's what's happening is I feel like a lot of people's stories don't get heard, but the thing that does get heard is all of this indoctrination over and over and over again about the laziness and about the bad choices and about overeating, just being because you're like 
complete blatant disregard and you have no self-control and your willpower sucks you know like those people are very very loud still and the people who need to be heard are the people saying you know the same way that the people who are you know addicted to drugs are starting to be heard now people who have you know other issues are starting to be heard now I think that that's that would be a great step for it to go and like tell the story when did this start how did it keep going listen tell people what happened don't just try to positivity it out (laughs) right like we've talked about this a lot And I think it's really important that you can love yourself and still want to change. That's what we're supposed to do always, right? I love myself and I want to change. It doesn't matter if it's my body, mind, heart, soul. I I always want to be evolving. I always want to be changing. There's no shame in that, whether it's my body, whether it's my mind, whether it's my heart, whether it's my soul. And we need to, you know, kind of have those conversations, I think more. You know, I think some of these people that are ignoring the fact that pain brought their bodies to a place where they have to force themselves into positivity. Yep. You can't, you can't, you can't out positive pain. Like you can't, it doesn't make it better. There, there is no. Does sometimes can you find hope in the positivity? Yeah, that's sometimes necessary. Mm-hmm. But most of the time, the more that we can like embrace, see, validate, honor mm-hmm. our pain, our struggle, if we can do that, then we've we're ahead of the spectrum. We're ahead of the curve because the problem is, and, and it's not to say that people who can't are defect in any way. It's, it's, it's a moment of, it's, it's a basic premise of when timing, divine timing, I think, because two, three, four years ago, I was not ready to connect my heart and my mind. I was not ready to embrace my body. I had work to do. I had things I had to do first in order to get to here. Mm-hmm. and you know, so those of you, wherever you are in your spectrum, wherever you are on your journey of your pain and of of working through it and really trying to be a healthier version of you mentally and emotionally, you're right where you need to be. Just keep going. There is light at the end of the tunnel. And I promise it's not a train. And, you know, it's, we, we just, it's hard because the the first hurdle is just to begin it's just beginning so just begin that's 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 kind of really <laughs> all i really wanted to say about that was just to begin you know right start right, right. <laughs> just in some way right like any forward steps or forward steps even i mean i even say it like even if you fell down <laughs> going forward your head is now like miles ahead of where your feet were right like so you're gonna get up somewhere in between your feet and your head which means you're ahead like you've made a step of some sort it's all good but take that step and like a lot I mean I, I feel like there's so much information that we give and that 
it takes time to embrace some of this stuff or even to think about it. You know, like we're coming up with epiphanies as we're talking and this is not our first time in these halls, in these spaces, in these discussions. So that alone should hopefully give people that understanding that this is not a perfect process from start to finish at a certain time period, that it is all about, like you just said, where I'm at, where my emotional capacity is for any of this. You know, maybe we slow down and have to catch up because something comes in in the way, but it really needs to be a process because these these things can't happen over an eight week period and expect it to be longevity. It wasn't created in an eight week period. No. So the no, idea I, that I, you I, could undo it in an eight week, yeah, like it, it totally doesn't make any sense. I mean, they say it in addiction all the time that it's like 20 years in the woods, at least 20 out, right? Like, like, and it's, it's kind of not always that way. It's, you know, usually once you take away the substance, it's not 20 years before you, you know, get your shit together, but it's kind of with that idea, like you've been building these patterns for 20 years. Yeah. How do you think that a couple days or a couple weeks is going to undo what your brain pathways have been strengthened to do? It's not going to happen but you, you begin strengthening new pathways and it's like going, I talk about, I used to talk about the emotional gym all the time. Like we're going in and we're saying, listen, you nerve who told me all these things, you're going to die off. Cause we're going to stop using you, you who should have been strengthened that whole entire time, but you kind of died off a little bit. You're getting the blood phone blood flow. Now you're the, the pathway that gets strengthened in this brain. Now that healthier pathway. Yeah. That's what we're doing now. That's the kind of things that we're creating, but it takes time. It does. You know, it's not easy. And we live in a society that basically sucks. Like I'm not even gonna lie. Like yes. not, not supportive. So we have to hold on to each other, those of us that are supportive and really, you know, hone in on the people that can understand and be in those safe spaces to process this kind of stuff at the same time, be bringing it out gradually into the world so that everybody can get a piece of understanding. Absolutely. And to just be patient, please be patient with yourself. Please be patient with your process. Like I am still going to be processing this, this confrontation of my reality of my physical body for a few weeks. Like this is going to, I'm going to have some after effects. I'm going to have some tangents, like the idea of saving money and not eating out tangential happen to influence this. So there's all these tentacles. So if you're making move in one area, chances are, it's going to benefit you in another area, you know? So, so whatever you're doing, just keep going because I'm, I know that it'll be a minute. This is leading me to my next phase. Like, okay. So we have, we feel nurturing. We have compassion. We have empathy. Let's see what the body energy has to say. Let's go talk to the body. Let's give it its voice. Give it a space. We've, we've kind of extended the olive branch by listening to what it needed this week and last. We've not forced it to eat more than it wanted to. We've mm-hmm. given it options. We're building trust between my heart, my mind, and my body. So now is the perfect storm time to go and talk to it. 
We're going to go talk to see what it has to say. See what it's telling me that I'm not hearing. To hear the suffering of it that I've been ignoring by stuffing food down its throat. So that's, you know, that's the next step. There's always levels of processing and and there's always moments in time. And thankfully I have great friends and I also have a great therapist. So if you're on this journey, one of the things like disclaimer time, I am not a nutritionist. I am not a doctor. I am not anyone who is an expert in this field. However, I am an expert on myself and I am an, I am an intuitive healer and I am on this journey and I have a lot of influence. I have my, one of my friends who is also one of my therapists. I have three. The great thing is, you know, so who, who helps me, keeps me safe, keeps me grounded. I have my other therapist. I have my other friend who were kind of going through some similar, but yet different things. And, but yet he's also a therapist. So Mm -hmm. I, I have a lot of different avenues of reflection and guidance in this process. So I encourage you, if you are going through this process, you need to have someone that you can share some of your deepest with, because it's, this is not a process to go in half in where you're sharing just enough right you have to share it all you have to be able to share all of it I'm here just to talk about food it's not gonna work (laughs) or even just just talk about food and make these big changes it's not gonna work (laughs) there's you have to be very intimate with yourself and your therapist and you have to trust them so please 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 I encourage you to have someone to help you walk you through this So, because it is important because there's things you're going to find that you don't know what to do with. I certainly didn't know what to do with how I felt about that photo. So, but because I have an amazing support team an amazing therapist and amazing friends that I made it through because not only the work I've done and the tools that I have, but because I have the support system around me. So that is very alone in dealing with it because alone in dealing with something like that, where does it go? It is definitely not the good place. No. (laughs) And, and, you know, we're, we're here for you. If you need help finding a therapist, you need some healing around it. You have questions, please share with us. Please talk to us. What is your journey? We we're here to share. We're here to walk through it. You know, we're here to hear your highs and lows, especially the lows, because that's where the, that's where the gems are. You know, we want to support you on your highs, but we want to also really support you through your lows because that's where you make or break the process. Yeah. Yes. So I love you. We love you. We hope that this has given you encouragement, insight. And I know it's a lot of knowledge to listen to it multiple times. It's going to be there forever. Save them. You can download podcasts now, which is amazing. So if you're ever worried about losing them, you know, Download them, have them for you, the, your favorite ones, the ones that really spoke to you so you can refer to them and yeah, and continue on your journey, either begin or keep going on, whatever, wherever you're at. And we will talk to you next week. We got you. Love y'all. Thank you for joining us on Freud's Angels. We are thankful for each of you opening up your heart to us. To continue the healing, connect with us on Instagram at Freud's underscore angels and on Facebook at Freud's Angels. Please subscribe to the show so that we may help you continue your journey. 
And remember to give us some love in the review section. If anything we've talked about today has triggered an emotional or mental crisis, please call 911 or head to the nearest emergency center. And always remember you are loved, you are worthy, and the world needs your light.